I didn't want to do that. And um, the, the reason is because it's not about me, it's about you. And I started thinking about this. And, you know, I mean, 25, who cares how many, you know, it's like we've gotten old enough now. It's kind of like your grandma, you know, you made it to your 90th birthday. Made it to your 91st birthday, right? Every year is like, you celebrated my 20th five years ago. You celebrated my wife's 20th uh, in the summer when she finished up uh, doing worship ministry. We're grateful to be here. We are, we are grateful for, for what happens here. But I was thinking about, I, I really was like, what do we need to do this? And everybody kept saying, we need to do it because we need to celebrate it as a church. It's not about us. It's not about me. I mean, think, I was thinking about it. You don't celebrate like a coach you know, for a team is like, hey, it's your 15th anniversary being a coach. You just celebrate wins. And that's what we always do here. We celebrate wins. Really, the fact that I've been able to be here for 25 years is really more a testament to you than it is a testament to me. You put up with me. I mean, these people that I've worked with, Walter and the elders, the people that have put up with, with the things that have gone on, they've been great leaders. All of, all of the staff, the people that have been around us, Lonnie's going to celebrate 20 years here in a, in a few weeks too. I mean, think about the, the team that God has put together. But most importantly, it's about you. This is about you, Lockport, about you here at Orland, about you wherever that are, that are a part of this thing together, putting up with this thing together. So 25 years, 55 years, it doesn't really matter. We celebrate the wins, and this is just an opportunity for us to say, um, you know, I complained about it last week. You know, I complained about the weather. You know, God brought me here 25 years ago. I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's nice now, right? The weather changed. I think God is just saying... You know, hey, maybe you should just shut up and stick around. So that's what I will do. Thank you very much. Okay? Let's talk about God. Um, A.W. Tozer said, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Jesus said, the number one thing that we do is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So we're doing this thing, God, you know, the God I wish you knew, and, and we're trying to help people to understand who God is. And so I thought what I would do, we haven't done the Lord's Prayer together yet. We've been doing the 23rd Psalm. I would like for us to pray the Lord's Prayer as we get going, okay? Um, you know, the, the Protestants added the doxology at the end for thine is the kingdom and the power. That's not really in scripture. So uh, we're just gonna do the regular part and you can do trespasses if you want, but I'm gonna do debtors. I'm just warning you up front, okay? And I would love for you to hear, just, just listen to this and let's just pray it together as we begin. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, Forgive us our debts as we forgive those that are our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Okay. If you memorized it that way. So, you know, it's hard to break habits. I talked last week about how, you know, like the birth control and the special days, you know, the, the church added those along the way. That thing is added by, by the Protestants. Listen, I just want you to know, we're not Protestants, we're not Catholics, we're just believers, and, um, and we worship our Father in heaven, okay? Now, now here's the deal. I know that, you know, it's like a little scary to you. A lot of people are like, man, that whole father sermon a couple of weeks ago, that was really what did it for me. Um, and, and, and I hope that you understand that. My daughter sent me this video. Um, it's, a, it's a video of a guy who finds his kids have broken into the paint closet and made a huge mess. And, it's, and it's, the funny part of it is, is he's videotaping this and he's trying not to laugh, but he's trying to be angry. I, I just want to show you this and I want for this to be your new image 
of your Father in heaven. The problem is, a lot of people worship God in this image that they've made of their own, in their own self, you know? It's something that, some crazy idea that, I mean, go look at the, at the religion section on Amazon and see how many religious books there are out there and how many crazy ideas of God there are. Kindergarten teacher was uh, letting her class draw pictures of God one day, or let picture, draw pictures of whatever they wanted to one day, and um, she walked by one little girl, and the little girl said, I'm drawing a picture of God, and, and the teacher was like... Well, honey, how can you draw a picture of God? Nobody knows what he looks like. And she said, they will in a minute. <laughs> that, that's kind of what we do. It's like, I got my idea of God. You know, and it's like that old legend of the, uh, of the elephant, right? The guys come up to the elephant, the blind guys, and they come up to the elephant, and one of them, you know, feels his tail, and he thinks that an elephant is like a snake. And one of them feels his trunk and thinks that he's like a tree. And one of them finds his tusk and thinks that he's a spear because they only have their little perspective. They will in a minute. They'll, they'll figure it out, okay? So, so what happens is you end up, I've got these boxes here. They end up putting God in a box, okay? They end up putting God in, in a box one way or the other of some different ways that they feel about God. Let me just give you a few ideas of what that might look like. Uh, some people believe in deism. Now, in case you don't know what that is, basically that means that God created the world and then he walked away. He just walked away from it. You know, he started it up like one of those robot vacuum cleaners and he's sitting on the couch watching March Madness, you know, knocking back a cold one and he's just letting the world take care of itself. And one day the battery's going to run out and, and it's all going to be over. That's basically deism. A lot of people believe God is that way. But I made up some other ones too. Um, genieism, for example. Genieism. Genieism is, uh, you know, when you just like treat God like a genie. Really simple. You rub the bottle, God pops out, says, your wish is my command. And then when you're done with God, you know, you, go, you put him back in to the genie bottle. And if you think that's the idea of God, that's how you're going to worship him. And when he doesn't give you what you want, it's not going to work. Weekendism. That's, that's where God lives in this box, and you go visit him at his box on the weekend, and then you go back to your box, and everything is all boxed up. You know, he's only there on the weekends. You don't have to worry about anything past that. Lightning boltism. How about that one? That's, uh, that's the God who's mad at you all the time. He's going he's gonna to shoot lightning bolts down on you because he's mad at you, when really he's just laughing at you because you're faces painted and you're in the shower, but that's really the way a lot of people think about him. This one's becoming more and more uh, convenient for me along the way. Grandpaism. What do I mean by that? Well, think about it. Grand I mean, I am a grandpa now. Grandpaism means you're old, okay, one way or the other. And grandpaism is people that believe that, well, yeah, God had his game, you know, on back in the day. Uh, but, you know, God's getting older now. And he, you know, he just, he doesn't hear so well. He has to get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of the night a hundred times. You know, he, he's just not, he can't get around like he used to. He's going to need a walker pretty soon. How about presidentialism? Presidentialism would be for those of you who think, well, God is only concerned with the very important things, with the president stuff. You know, he's not concerned about my little issues or my little things that are going on in my life because he's got to take care of the big things and there's only so much to go around. Lastly would be killjoyism. Okay, that just means that God put us down here and, and, and he put all those rules and all those things in the Bible that we've been talking about because he doesn't want us to have any fun. Do you see what happens when you do that? All right, so, so your question ought to be, then how do I figure out who God really is? If all those plus a whole lot more, you know, if the kindergarten girl thinks she knows what God looks like and everybody who touched the elephant thinks they know what God is, how do we really figure it out?
well, how about if the elephant turned around and told you who he was? What if the elephant, you know, all the blind guys are around, and the elephant goes, hey, you know that snake? You thought I was a snake? That was really my tail. And that tree was a trunk, you know, and that spear, that was my tusk, and, and I'm really an elephant. As a matter of fact, I'm going to um, write down everything you need to know about who I am, and I'm going to leave it for you so that you don't have to ever wonder about who God is again. You don't have to ever make up your own version of him. You don't have to read him in the religious bookstore section somewhere, somebody's crazy ideas of who he is. It's all right here. What kind of an elephant watcher would go, well, I'm not going to believe that. I still think you're a tree. That's what a lot of people do. Many people just think, you know what, well, God is, you know, this big, vast thing. And it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. This is my favorite Charlie Brown cartoon. Good grief. 184 to nothing. I don't understand it. How can we lose when we're so sincere? I'll skip the obvious cub analogy, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Sincerity is honorable, but make sure you believe in the truth. That's what's really important. That's why we will drive you, if you're new to this church, we will drive you back to this instead of that every time. Every time. Today, I want to take you back to one of the classic stories of telling us about the God I wish you knew in the Bible. It's um, Moses when he's called by God in the very first place, when God speaks to him. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within the bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. I just got to say, I think this is a bad translation of the Hebrew because I can't see Moses saying, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. I'm thinking that the Hebrew part of the NIV here was translated by woman. Because Moses is a guy, and Moses sees the bush on fire. That's all you need to know. If you're a guy, you're going to go to something that is on fire. Am I right, guys? I don't think Moses said, oh, my dear Jane Austen, there is a bush on fire, and it is not burning up. I think I will go over. Yes, I will. I, that doesn't happen. He's a guy. He sees fire. He goes, fire, Good. What else can I burn? You know, right? That's what, I'm sorry. Okay. So when the Lord saw that he had gone over to, to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer. God said, take off your sandals to the place where you are standing is holy ground. And God said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt, and I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? You may not have heard George Bush died and went to heaven. He was, uh, you know, 
visiting all the leaders. He's a great leader. He was really interested to meet David and Abraham and Gideon and Peter and Paul, but he really wanted to meet Moses, really, really wanted to meet Moses. And it seemed like Moses was kind of avoiding him. Every time he'd get close, Moses would be gone. Finally, he cornered him one day and, and he said, Moses, I've been wanting to meet you. I, you know, I'm, I'm George Bush. I, I was the president. I, I, I can't, I, it kind of felt like you've been avoiding me. Moses said, well, nothing personal, but the last time I talked to a Bush, it didn't turn out so well. But I'm fine. But probably the same thought is going through Moses' mind right here that goes through your mind when you start to think about doing something that God wants you to do, right? I mean, we, I wrote a book called Life on Mission. You know, I mean, the whole idea is that our life here is not for us. It's for us. The only reason that we're here, Rick Warren said, the only reason that God leaves you here is either to sin or tell people about Jesus. Those are the only two things you can't do in heaven. That's kind of the premise of the book. And what do you think he left you here for? He left you here to be a witness. And when I say that, when I preach that stuff, when we talk about the fact that we need to go out and reach the rest of the world, it's kind of like, ah, really, me? Who am I? Or maybe God has asked you to do some things in your life that you know are, are really difficult right now. And your question is, is usually going to be the same as me. Who, who am I? I mean, when God called us here 25 years ago, that's what I said. Who am I? Who am I? You know what God's answer is? It's really interesting. God's answer is, I will be with you. In other words, who cares who you are? I will be with you. I mean, this is good because he doesn't send Moses to a motivational seminar, you know. He doesn't say, Moses, just believe in yourself. He says, you know what, buddy? It doesn't really matter who you are. What matters is who I am. I'm talking through a bush right now. Right? I mean, put this in perspective. I'm talking through a fire bush. Who cares who you are? I can talk to you if I want to, or I can talk to anything if I want to. There's another story in the Old Testament. It's one of my favorites. It's about a prophet who was too dumb to listen to God and too dumb to notice that there was an angel that was getting ready to strike him down. And so his donkey talks to him. Okay, it's like this, this, uh, this Shrek moment, okay, famous painting here behind me. It's like this Shrek moment when all of a sudden, you know, the donkey, God allows a donkey to talk, okay? He, the donkey turns around and says, hey, you idiot, there's an angel there and he's going to kill us. And, and basically because the donkey talked to Balaam, his life was spared. You know what? Thank you for recognizing 25 years of ministry and thank you when you tell me things like, you know what, Tim, God really spoke through you today. I really appreciate that. I just, in my mind, you got to know, every time, I, every time you say that, I think, well, it's not the first time that God spoke through a donkey, <laughs> and it probably won't be the last, okay? If God can use a bush, <laughs> who cares who you are, Moses? Because it's not about you. I will be with you. And Moses said, Okay, well, I, you know, appreciate that, but, you know, all, all I got so far is a talking bush. So suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? And what shall I tell them? This is the first person in recorded history to ask God if they could see some ID. <laughs> and God said, here it is, to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. 
you got to think Moses is stealing a little Abbott and Costello right about here, right? right? You know, I am sent me. I know I am. Uh, who's on first? It finally happened, ladies and gentlemen, just as Abbott and Costello predicted. That's who's on first. Seventy years it took us. Tell the Israelites, he said, I am sent you. In English, this is uh, I am translates into I be, which makes it even worse. I be sent you. I am is I be. I know it's not great grammar, but I am is the present tense active form of the verb be. It means everything is here. I am. There isn't anything that I am not. I am unchanging. I am constant. I am unending. I'm always present. I am God. Always God. In other words, God is telling Moses, here's my name. My name is everything. My name is I am. So it's not about you, it's about me. He says, I am God. I am running the planet. I am the owner of everything. I am the Lord. I am the creator of the universe and the sustainer of life. I am the savior of the universe. I am more than enough. I am the alpha and omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am inexhaustible. I am immeasurable. I am everything. I am God. He possesses in himself everything. That's what he's saying. My name is everything. My name is eternal. My name is I am. The psalmist said, before the mountains were born from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Why is that important? Because you need a God who is your dad, who loves you, who you can take refuge in. Look at this. Moses said the eternal God is your refuge. If you don't believe in a big enough God, he's not going to do you any good. If this is your version of God over here, he's not going to do you any good. The psalmist said, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You set your glory above the heavens. And when I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers and the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is, what is, what is a man, what am I, that you even are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. He is I am. He is in control. Okay? So everything else is his problem. Everything is his problem. He is I am. I love this. This is a picture of the galaxy. Somebody just was a little facetious and put an arrow. Right? You are here. He is I am. You are here. I, I don't know if you have this problem or not. But, but, but it's not because of my view of God. It's not, because, it's not because I believe in any of these. I really believe in the Almighty God who is the great I am. But every once in a while, I find myself thinking that I need to run the universe. Has that ever happened to you? Every once in a while, I, I lay awake at night or I wake up early in the morning and I think, I need to fix the world. I need to fix all these things that are going on. It's up to me to fix them. What is man? What is the son of man that you care about him? It's amazing that you care at all. What does that mean about Moses? What does it mean about Tim Harlow? It means, who cares? Thanks for celebrating 25 years. Doesn't matter. Who cares? God could have put a donkey up here for 25 years. And I'll leave that one alone. Thank you. <laughs> So if God is God, if God is I am, that means I am. Some of you heard me do this before. If God is I am, that means I am not. Hello, I'm Chevy Chase and you're not, right? Think about the perspective of that when you wake up in the middle of the night. I'm not the center of the universe. 
I'm not in control. I am not the solution. I'm not the all-powerful. I'm not calling the shots. I'm not the owner of anything. I'm not the lord of anything. I'm not running anything. I'm not in charge of anything. I'm not the head of anything. I'm not the maker. I'm not the savior. I'm not holding anything together. I'm not God. I am not. But I don't need to be. Because he is, I am. I want to read to you a fairly lengthy and beautiful piece of scripture from the Old Testament and help you to understand a little bit more of who God is. And just listen to the beauty of this as I read through this. So Isaiah 40, there's a lot of verses in here that you may have heard, but I want to put the whole thing together. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. Lord, that's I am translated right there. Whenever it's bolded in your Bible, it's the same word, Yahweh. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and his arm rules for him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. Guides us. Remember, we talked about that. He gathers his lambs in his arms, and he carries them close to his heart. None of those perspectives of God really get to that. I I, I tweeted this one today or yesterday. He gently leads those who have young. I'm just thinking about my daughter and son-in-law raising my grandson, and remember what it was like back in those days. God is with you in a special way. It says right there. Who has measured the water in the hollow of his hands or with the breadth of his hand marked out the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales or the hills in a balance? Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Do you not know, verse 21, do you not know, have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and his people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy, and he spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of the world to nothing. Sometimes we get a little freaked out about what goes on in the world. Don't forget, no sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them. And they wither, and the whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. Whom shall I compare? To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and his mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator, the creator of the ends of the earth. And he will not grow tired. And he will not grow weary. And young men stumble and fall, or he will not grow tired and he will not grow weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He will give strength to the weary and increase the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, the I am, will renew their strength. And they will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and will not faint. Do you see what that does to us? Do you see how much better this version is than those versions? Or whatever version of whatever book somebody wrote that's hot on 
Amazon right now? Do you see how much better this is than understanding that? If God is I am, that means he is everything. That means he's taking care of everything. And I can go home and take a nap. Because if he is I am, then he's got everything under control. Three of, the, of my favorite years of ministry at this place were when we had a St. Louis Cardinal baseball player that went to our church. He actually still goes here. He's just retired now. But for three years, Braden Looper... Um, played for the St. Louis Cardinals. you got to understand, I grew up in Oklahoma. Um, no professional teams at that time, so you just kind of went to the close one. And I, My dad was a St. Louis Cardinals fan. I was always a St. Louis Cardinals fan. And the beauty of being a, a Cardinals fan and having a player that you know who was a good parishioner was that he would give us tickets to go to the game. And that was the beauty of the whole scenario. I got to go to the World Series in Detroit. I, you know, I got to see some games. You know, whenever they were in town, I could go. Or whenever we'd go to St. Louis and watch a game. And it was so awesome to be able to go. And when you would go to a game at, with players' tickets, you were sitting in the players' section which means you're sitting by, you know, their parents and their wives and a bunch of little babies, you know, and, and, and you're just with all of the family members. So, so there's this game, this vivid game in my memory where Bill and I, and Bill's a lifelong Cardinals fan too, we, we, got, we drove down to St. Louis because it was a playoffs. And uh, Cardinals are playing the Mets, and the series is tied 2-2, and it's a huge big game, and they're in St. Louis, and we got to go. And we're sitting in the player section, and it was awesome. But you got to understand something about me. Um, I have ADHD, and I love little kids, and um, baseball's just not going to keep my attention, okay? It's just not going to. And, and, and so in front of me is Jim Edmonds' wife and his little son, Landon, who was about eight months at the time. I, I got to admit, even though it was a very exciting game, and, you know, this is a really, really important deal, 2-2, I was spending more time playing with an eight-month-old Landon than I was, you know, really paying attention to the game until we got to the fifth inning. In the fifth inning, the Cardinals got a batter on base, no outs. The score is tied. The series is tied. And, the, you know, the suspense is just incredible in the ballpark. And everybody's on their feet because we got to run, you know, and we want to want to see if we can get ahead. It's only like the fifth or sixth inning, but it was that kind of an electric moment. You know how it is. Well, some of you do. Okay. We get to this moment, and Jim Edmonds is up to bat. Base runner, nobody out. Jim Edmonds gets up to bat. I look down at Landon, and he's asleep on his grandma. Such a perfect illustration for me of how we ought to live our life if we know that God is in charge and God is I am. I mean, the crowd is on their feet. There are literally millions of people watching this on, on television around the world and Landon is asleep while his dad is up to bat. Why? He couldn't do anything about the epic battle of good, the Cardinals versus evil, the Mets. He couldn't do anything about it. It was his dad's problem. And his dad got a hit, actually, in the inning, and the Cardinals eventually won the game, won the championship. It was an incredible experience. But every once in a while, I have that image of Landon asleep on his grandma. When I think of the world and the world's problems, and I think of this passage in the Bible about Moses 
And God's saying, hey, it's not about you. It's about me. I am. I got it. So answer this for me. When your life falls apart, who is going to stand with you? I am. Who's going to make sure that someday good will prevail over evil? If your vision is enormous and you need more resources than you know where to get, who's going to pay for it? If you get to the point where you say, I can't do this anymore on my own, I need somebody to help me, who will help you? Who's smart enough to figure this out? What if the chemo doesn't work? I am. Doesn't feel like anybody's listening. I am. Nobody's on my side. I am. I'm going under. Somebody needs to help me. I am. I have always been. I will always be. I am. You're not. I've always wondered about this passage about the taking off of the shoes. I pointed it out earlier. Gets up to the bush. God tells him to take his shoes off. It's holy ground. I guess a lot of us maybe have read that so many times we're thinking, well, yeah, I guess that's what you're supposed to do. But scholars are kind of divided on that. Because the truth of the matter is, most times when there was something holy going on, the children of Israel were told to cover it so that they didn't come into contact with it. If they would pass the Torah from one person to another, they would wrap it up with something before they would pass it on. It's because they didn't want to touch something that was holy. And now Moses comes along and God says, hey, this is holy ground. Take your shoes off. I mean, if you think about it, you would think that God would say, hey, this is holy ground. Take your sandals off and put on some Ugg boots or something. Put on something that are really going to cover your feet because you need, to, you, know, you need to make sure that you don't come into contact with that which is holy. And I think I've read that passage and heard that passage so many times that, that I just haven't thought about the fact that, that God was saying to Moses, I'm holy and I want you to be close to me. I want you to be with me. I'm your dad. I know you need me. I know you're afraid. I am. Take your shoes off. Get as close as you possibly can. As we do communion, we um, celebrate the fact that when Jesus came, he said, I am. As a matter of fact, I mean, one of the most controversial statements Jesus ever made was in John 8 when he said, before Abraham was born, I am. You might have read that before and thought, well, that, well that's tr bad translation, bad grammar. No, what he's saying is, I'm God. I mean, this is when they decided to start to kill him was when he said, I am. That, when Jesus said, I am too, I am also, I am God, that's when they decided to kill him. When Jesus said, I am the bee, I am the I am, I, that is who I am. I have come to be the incarnation we talk about at Christmas, which means with me. I am God in the flesh. I am. So let's read this verse as we get ready for communion this way. For God, read it out loud with me. For God, I am, so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, I am, to the world that whoever, I am not, believes in him, I am, would not perish but have everlasting life.
I have the power of the almighty God of the universe available to me. They don't. I do. Whenever I need him, he is I am. And he made a way for me to live with him forever in heaven, even though I've got paint all over my face, even though I'm the one sitting there in the shower that he's laughing at because I keep screwing up my life over and over again. He knew there needed to be a way for us to pay for all of that sin. So he sent Jesus, also I am, to pay for our sins. And that's what we celebrate at communion. Let's pray. Lord, I know that I am not, and um, I apologize for the times when I try to take control of running the universe back from you. I'm grateful for 25 years of you allowing a donkey to talk and uh, allowing me to be teamed up with some amazing people, most importantly my wife and a whole bunch of great staff and a bunch of great leaders and a congregation full of people. We all try to take things back. We all get worried. We all get nervous. We all wonder what's happening here in this world. But at the end of the day, we know that you're in charge. And over 25 years, I've seen you do some amazing things. They don't prove to me that you are I am. I believe your word. But I know that you are there. And I know that you don't fit in one of these boxes. And I worship you for that. And I worship you today because you sent your son to pay for all of my sins so that the Holy Spirit could come and live inside of me and that I could be free to live with you forever. I can be barefoot on holy ground with you in heaven forever. Thank you in Jesus' name.